1: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined my co-host Nick Philada. We wanted to do a little bonus pod this week and talk a little future Giants. How do you want to frame this Giants from a 30,000-foot view? There's a few things going on this week that I thought were interesting about the Giants and their future. And obviously, as we move forward in this year at 2-6, and six, Most of or some of the transition for us in analysis will be about the future of this team. So we're going to talk about a few things today. We're going to talk about how Joe Shane went about the Leonard Williams trade. We're going to talk about a Kayvon Thibodeau interview he had with Carl Banks, including within that Kayvon Thibodeau's game against the Jets last week, following the criticism from WFAN. And then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about what this last stretch of the season means for Daniel Jones in a lot of people's minds, probably a turning point for his future with the Giants and maybe his future in the NFL as a starting quarterback, to be quite frank. So we're going to talk about all three of those things today. But Nick, before we do that, I want to get your opinion on uh what you've seen so far from this thursday night football game We're recording this on thursday night and what did you think of that first half of the steelers and the titans
2: it's just a gross first half but derrick henry looks good kenny pickett is worse than oh. a lot of quarterbacks in the national football league i'd much i rather have will levis than a kenny pickett type i'll tell you that much
1: i am stunned and i don't think he's played that amazing this first half obviously he missed that read to deandre hopkins in the red yeah. zone that was bad he missed the throw to to, to spears but I'm just surprised at how well Levis looks in his first couple starts. I'm going to qualify that by saying I do think rookies have a little bit of an edge in their first few starts in the NFL before teams get tape on them and they can just and take away the concepts they like. But there's been some throws that Levis has made where the arm talent is really flashed, Nick. The throw to Kyle Phillips down the seam. The throw last week, obviously. The one to Akeen Westbrook across his body, across the formation, that's like a rare type of throw that like only Rodgers in his prime was making a Jordy Nelson type stuff. Like That's the type of arm talent that I didn't really see at his Kentucky, but this is the thing no. for me. Like he, his arm talent somehow looks better to me by a considerable margin than the tape he put out of Kentucky. And I always qualify this by saying most of what I watch and this, I'll do your take on this, but most of what I watch was his t- uh, tape, from 2021 with Wandell Robinson, because of obviously been watching Wandell Robinson. I watched a couple games from last year, but watched so many of those Wanda Robinson games. And I felt like a lot of the time the ball was hanging on the vertical plane, and it was misplaced. And I feel like he's really cut the ball in the first two games. I watched his tape, the full tape, last week against the Falcons, and his ball really cut. I mean, this was a natural, quick release, and the ball cut through the air. And I, and I saw that on that Kyle Phillips throw this game as well.
2: I don't think physical traits was ever his issue. It was just yeah. mental mistakes. Irresponsible with the football it was always Will Levis. Which can issue. still, so by I the understand. way, prop up a lot. Yeah, of we're course. not past that point yet which can still prop up a lot. But I, I think uh, DeAndre Hopkins is quite happy that he's in there because oh, yeah. he's looking at DeAndre Hopkins quite often.
1: He's, and he's throwing the football hard. Like the the comeback route he hit Hopkins on, that's not a throw Tannehill makes. Like he rips that ball in there, and that's why that play is made and why he has that yak ability. But let's talk Giants here. Let's start with the Leonard Williams trade. thought we had a really interesting insight this week when Leonard Williams said to the Seahawks media when he starts meeting with them, he gave them a little insight into the process. And so we're going to play that right now for you guys.
2: Could be coming with sort of your name being thrown around in possible trade discussions
3: like that? I mean, I definitely knew it was a possibility. Um, And I think, you know, the way it was proposed to me uh, through my GM and and with my agents was uh, a respectful way, I think. Um, You know, I've been traded before and it was very abruptly and I kind of had like no say or anything like that. Uh, We're in this situation, you know. My GM kind of came to me and, and told me that he wasn't shopping, for, uh, shopping me around, and, you know, but, you know, out of respect for me and, and where I'm at in my career, being a little older, he was pretty much letting me know that, you know, there was a few teams, including Seattle, um, that were um, on the winning side of, of the season and, and uh, gonna make a push this year. And, uh, you know, he was just like, I know you have a connection with a lot of those guys over there. So he was pretty much like, you know, Mm -hmm. let me know before four o'clock today. Talk with your agents and stuff like that. So the way it happened felt a little more uh, negotiated. And uh, I think it, it, it went well. All right, Nick, what are your immediate takeaways after listening
1: to that interview with Leonard Williams and the Seahawks media?
2: We hear so much, and we've talked about this through the past regimes of the New York Giants, how this is a people business, and you have to treat people with respect, because if you don't, it makes its way around the league. I mean, when Dave Gettleman was a general manager of the Carolina Panthers, there were several veteran players, people who were ensconced as Carolina Panthers, were Carolina Panthers through and through, who hated Dave Gettleman for the way he treated them. This isn't a shot at Dave Gettleman per se, but Joe Shane is not taking that approach. Joe Shane had every reason to deal Leonard Williams but he approached it in a very mature manner and wanted to get the insight from Leonard Williams and see what his opinions were, where he was at right now, if he wanted to be traded. And I think that message, when you send that message to the entire National Football League, it buys you some cachet. Players will look at you and they'll be like, you're not just a commodity here. You're not just an asset. You are a person. That little, little extend of an olive branch that Joe Shane gave to Leonard Williams meant a lot to the point where Leonard Williams brought it up. And he mentioned- Hey, I was with the New York Jets. He didn't say the New York Jets. But he was like, I got traded previously. We all know that was the Jets, the Giants. I didn't have a say in that. Here, I at mm-hmm. least had a say in it. And it was it was general manager Joe Shane. It was the agents. And it was him involved. It was like, Seattle is interested in you. Do you want to go to Seattle, essentially? Because Julian loves there. You know a lot of people. There. And he's right. a West Coast guy anyways. I absolutely love that. I think it's a, an excellent move for Joe Shane. And I also believe that players around the National Football League are going to take notice to little things like that.
1: Yeah, to your last point, David Bakhtiari already came out and said, you know, quote tweeted that and said, wow, this was really cool to see. Cool for Leonard Williams and really cool for Joe Shane. And they did note that. It has already been noted. And that capital that it buys you may make a difference at some point for the Giants franchise. A player like David Bakhtiari, even, I mean, like, to so bring him up, there might be a time they need a tackle, a veteran tackle who can come in and actually play the position. Hopefully, that he doesn't won't play come. on turf, buddy. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. He's
2: not playing on turf. No, he doesn't
1: want to be on turf right now. But, you know, not him, him aside, I think that, you know, players are already taking note of this. And you even saw it with Giants last year in negotiations with Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence didn't break the bank. Dexter Lawrence didn't, you know, put up a stink. And you didn't hear him say what Montez Sweat said today, which is like, no, there's no deal in place right now. And quite frankly, I'm going to weigh my options, which is just horrific. Look for uh, Bears general manager Ryan Poles right there. But, bro, what's you know, that guy just, doing? I don't know, not, man. Not There's to cut you of,
2: off, but what is Ryan Poles is Dave well, he Gettleman. He pulled the Dave Gettleman.
1: Yeah, he pulled the Dave Gettleman. But he did it, it last he year, Gettleman's. too. He's on back-to-back Gettleman run. He's on a huge Gettleman run right now. Young Gettleman. Because he's a young guy. He's on a young Gettleman run. And he did have a good job. I think he scouted a good tackle there. I think they got a left tackle. I think he's been injured this year, but he was good, decent last year. But he's a young Gettleman in training right now, just ripping off these trades that are just like mind-boggling deals. Like He just redid the Leonard Williams deal. And please, for those of you Gettleman supporters, I know some are still out there. Don't tell me this is a net win for the Giants because Joe Shane was able to get a second round pick for Leonard Williams. It has nothing to do with what Gettleman did, and they've been in cap hell because of that because that Leonard Williams contract for a while. And let's be honest, Leonard Williams played next to Dexter Lawrence all year this year, and was a good. He was not dominant whatsoever, and he'll be good, I think. I think he'll be better, by the way, in that Seattle front, and even for like. I just think it suits him better. We'll see what happens there, though. He could be motivated. He could have a good year there, but um, yeah. I think uh, there's a lot to unpack here. I I think I'll first start by addressing Nick, the uh, devil's advocate people, and that's fair. And they're, they're allowed to voice their concerns and their opinions. And the devil's advocate people say, well, what if the giants ended up getting less compensation because they worked with the player? Would you still think this is a good move? And I understand that take for sure, but I don't really think that's how he went about it. Joe Shane. I think he looked at all the offers and, If they were compared, it's like what Lawrence Tynes tweeted about today. He's like, when I got traded to the giants, my general manager gave me an option for three teams. Then he said, all the compensation was similar Choose the team. You like the best type of thing. And I feel like that was a similar situation. I don't think there was one team blowing the giants out of the water from a compensation point. Let's be honest. No one was offering more than a two and a five. For Leonard Williams. When you see chase young go for a three.
2: I don't even understand that. Of course, yeah. like, you, what do you think? There were people like, yeah, we want to throw a number one pick at impending free agent Leonard Williams. Absolutely not. The fact that the Giants got the two was the grand slam where Joe Shane was like, "This is an excellent situation because we could sell it very well. We're doing right by our player, and we're getting, I think, more compensation than we probably should get in this right. situation because yeah. Seattle really needed that versatile five three. We technique. paid the
1: cut. We paid it off too. So it's partially, yeah. it's a, a little of bit. Course.
2: But I find solace through Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. I just pick two to six players' stat projections, select more or less on those projections, and I watch the winnings roll in. It's simple, easy, fun, and their flex play options allow you to win on, say, two out of three selections instead of all three. I choose this option often because I'm a coward. You can be a coward too and capitalize on a higher probability to win. And now with basketball season here, you can select pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made plus receptions. Let's bank on that. Plus, PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. One of the many reasons why they've earned the tagline, Daily Fantasy Sports Made in Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. prizepickscom slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepickscom slash banter and use the code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix. Daily Fantasy Sports. Made easy. Make Little Caesars... The official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit-style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, Everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand-new performance package 5.0 Ultra featuring the lawnmower. 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. And I mean that, whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code BIGBLUE. Sometimes you just need to trim those hedges and there are plenty of options that you can use over at Manscaped to help give you the look that You desire down below. So please get 20% off plus free shipping with code BigBlue at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code BigBlue at manscaped.com. I can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship. So get yours today from our folks at Manscaped. High tech for low prices. Manscaped.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think the second part to unpack, Nick, is. Look, like you mentioned, there were a lot of players from the Carolina regime that didn't like how Gettleman went about has been this Odell Beckham Jr. Gettleman traded him after they said, if she said I didn't sign him to trade him, that was a really bad stain and taste, even though look. We could agree or disagree on the decision to trade him. Even at the time, I was more in favor of it than others, but it's not the point. The point is it, it, it was a bad look for the Giants and a, a bad, left a bad taste in a lot of the players who were part of that 2016 run, as short as it might've been. For example, Landon Collins, who after the fact, when he re-signed with the Giants last year, was like, I would've never done this if Dave Gettleman was still the general manager. I literally would've never done this. I did not want to play for him. You don't hear players saying that about GMs. Like This is the flip side of it, right? Like A player who was just traded, speaking so nicely and kindly, of the GM who traded him. That's like the, to one level of the extreme Nick, but the other level of the extreme is you just don't hear players talking about a general manager, the way they talked about Gettleman with so much disdain. And so to me, it's, I just rather be in that boat, the top boat, the boat where maybe you lose a little bit, Somewhat, which I doubt you're even losing in a negotiation standpoint, but you're also gaining so much more for potential future free agents and also your in house players who have to make decisions. Do they want to stay here or do they want to, you know, check out something else and and have a chance and opportunity to play somewhere else? So I really just love to hear the way Leonard Williams discussed that. And I've seen other things like, you know, Joe Shane hanging out with Justin Pugh with his, you know, straight off the couch shirt from his brand, just hanging out with the dude in the locker room wearing the shirt. He just feels like somebody who's connected, and he's and he and he, he wants you to know, like even like he told Leonard Williams, like, "Look, I don't want to trade you, man. I didn't want to trade you, but look, here's the opportunity. You have Julian Love there. You're going back home to the West Coast. They're having. I liked how he said it. he's like they're on the winning side of things this year, and that's a great part of this too, Nick, because you know Gettleman when when the Giants were not on the winning side, that's when he traded for Leonard Williams as an impending <laughs> free agent. It's like. He didn't even recognize the obviousness that when you're not on the winning side, you don't trade for win. Now you can consider trading away. And
2: it's a rational approach. It's like, we're not winning. We're not winning football right now. We're not, we're probably not going to sign you long-term. You're probably going to be a free agent next year. Would you like to go to a winning team? We're going to get compensation. We'll eat some of this money. That's not that big of a deal, but do you want to do this? And if the player wants to do this, it's I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine everything is fine and that's exactly what happened i don't see anything wrong with that whatsoever let's not kid ourselves there wasn't somebody like yeah i'll give you a two and a three i'll give you a one and next year's three like that wasn't the case i don't even think (laughs) there's many people suggesting that is there am i missing that on twitter okay good no 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 it's not people suggest wild stuff giants twitter so you,
1: you never know what might be suggested on giants twitter but i think on to that note it's like when you go through the process that the giants did as we as you just broke down nick You know, and Leonard Williams puts it out there for everyone to hear, and it gets retweeted by everybody and David Bakhtiaran and everybody. You get to the point where even within the Giants' own locker room, you have people being like, all right, they went about this the right way. Except for, obviously, you saw the Xavier McKinney quote, I'm sure, where he was like, I thought we were playing a win now. This doesn't really jive with that. And I get his frustration because they just went on that run. They made all those signings. He wasn't one of them, and that was supposed to be the look. We're playing a win now. But besides what he said, I think it's kind of smoothed over enough in the locker room versus other examples of that. Like when the giants traded Damon Harrison and um, I forgot who else was in that spree that year when Gettleman traded, I think it was also Eli who didn't care, but you know, the locker room just collapsed on itself at that point. I don't really think the giants locker room is going to collapse on itself at this point. I think Giants are going to start winning a surprising amount of games, by the way, down the stretch. So it's like almost the opposite.
2: And the giants inadvertently, set contingency plans in place for this to happen. When they signed Rakim Munez, right. Roches, and A'shaun Robinson, they weren't like, hey, if we suck, we can now trade Leonard Williams. But they did sign those players. They do suck. And now they can trade Leonard Williams be like, well, we have competent players here. Much more competent players than even last season when they were competitive.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I'm for it. Look, I think this is good. what you want out of Joe Shane. I, we can knock Joe Shane. I know there's still a lot of people who are unsold on Joe Shane. I get it. Some things I think were out of his control. I think the offensive line injuries this year were completely out of his control. And, you know, you could say he didn't do a good job of of finding depth on the O-line. I'm okay with that, you saying that. But he wanted to let these young guys play, and then they just all got hurt. A lot of these guys got hurt, and it was a tough situation. And calculated risks, man. He took calculated risks. Every single one of those
2: calculated risks failed.
1: And he got John Michael Schmitz. It's not like he did nothing. Like he did yeah. invest one of his best assets the entire off season on an offensive lineman. That was as good as it that was almost as good as it gets set for the first round pick. So it's just, I, I I'm okay with it. I love his process. I like who he is as a human being. And I think he's somebody who can help them win long-term. I am committed on Joe Shane. And I think these are the type of things that actually make me more committed on somebody like him and just, reminiscent of how bad it was with with dave in there as general manager but i want to also talk about this interview cave on had with carl banks that went on giants.com today shout out carl banks um fan of the show and also we're a fan of your work as well we've been on your show before carl but we would like you to come on our show at some point so if you're listening yes. to this we can run it back because we've been unbelieving uh in giants so anyway let's say this nick about that interview and just about i want to hear your thoughts not just on the interview on everything that's kind of happened for cave over the last eight days it goes from Two WFAN fan uh, fan WFAN hosts calling him out, calling him a bus, saying they don't think he has definable traits. The interview that goes viral with Carl Banks where they hang up on him. To gave on Thibodeau literally coming back on the first drive of the very next game, forcing a fumble and a sack, and then adding two more sacks in that game. I know he went off sides, quote unquote, even though A, it wasn't actually offsides, it was a bad call by the refs, and B, I would never use one play like that to define a game when, he, when you would never even be in the position if he didn't have his three sacks and a forced fumble in the first place. So just a huge turnaround culminating with that interview where I thought he brought up some really interesting points about how he loves the, the nitty gritty of it. He loves when he sets the edge and then blows up up that block to help the linebacker run free just the little things that he does that don't show up in the box score that he got to voice a little bit about and I just think listening to cave man I said this on Twitter Nick this is my main takeaway I'll get to you what, what your thoughts are on this I'm just like dude this guy is 22 years old I remember my pea-sized brain and undeveloped brain at 22 years old I was an idiot in my first year out of college uh I didn't go to the Marines like you and learn real life experiences Nick I went to college and I drank and I had fun like a lot of Americans tend to do Uh, And I learned some things, but I didn't learn too many things about life yet. Life was easy. I didn't have a job until I got out of college. And so I just feel like listening to him, he's so much more mature than I was. Maybe some other listeners can relate to this. I don't know. But it's possible that you can remember your own self at 22 years old and how your brain function. And now think about yourself at my age now, 10 years later, or even if you've thought about yourself in the 10, 20, 30 years later, depending on how old you are, you know that you've learned so much more as you grow older. You become a more wise human being. You've learned from experience and your brain actually develops because your brain isn't fully developed at 22 years old. So I just feel like when I listen to Kayvon Thibodeau, Nick, he's so well mature beyond his years. He speaks like a 15 year vet in the things that he believes in, like doing what I just said, setting an edge to allow your linebackers to make the plays. So I'm just really impressed with who he is as a human. And you know what I always say, Nick, I always say, if you're going to be one of the best players in the NFL, you have to want to be one of the best players in the NFL. That's the only way to do it. You can have all the talent in the world, but you're not going to get there unless you actually have that drive. And and you wake up saying every day, I can be the best. I want to be the best. These are the things I want to do to be the best. And that's what he talked about in this interview. He's like, all the outside noise, I'm putting it aside. I just know I got to keep going to work and working on these things. And the proof will, you know, the results will eventually come. And that's basically what's happening for him right now.
2: He's always been a very smart young man. And he's been in the spotlight too since he was yep. at Oaks Christian High School in California. And then he ends up going to Oregon. I mean, he's from, I think he's from the South Central part of Los Angeles. He's he from is. Los Angeles. This is somebody who understands who he is, understands that he wants to be great playing football. I think he knows how to operate when the cameras are rolling too. I'm not saying that he's not this person when the cameras aren't rolling, but he's, he's a good interview. And this goes back to his time in college when you're intelligent and you know how to speak in front of a camera, speak in front of a microphone. I think you're going to come off well, if you're well-intentioned as well. And if he means all the stuff that he, that he says, which I believe he does, I think he does want to be great. I think he is a team player. I think he wants to thrive within the system. I love how he referred to Wink Martindale's system and his defense as an orchestra. It's not just one person playing the guitar. It's not just one person slapping the bass or playing the drums. It's an orchestra. Everybody needs to work together to make this beautiful sound. Well, in this case, everyone needs to work together to allow Jason Pinnock to get the sack. As he said, he's like, yeah, I'll take on two blockers sometimes. And then our safety will come in and clean the play up. He loves that blue collar element playing defense and the blue collar work. He said his favorite highlights were the ones where he is setting the edge and forcing the running back to bounce inside to one of his teammates. When you start talking like that, because I can listen him talk X's and O's and scheme. Because when he was talking about his hand usage and all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh man, this is excellent. It does seem like he really buys in right now and he's also getting the sacks too he's also getting the sacks so i'm glad that 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 negative energy it it didn't affect him because guess what there was so much negative energy last week you're going in like put it in his perspective he's 22 years old right so much negative energy now you're playing the cross town rival who those two and if you look at it from the focus of those two wfan hosts i think they're fans of the new york jets if i'm not mistaken i don't know i know brennan tierney like um i don't know the other guy well like i don't know brennan tierney personally just like listening to wfan but that's a lot of pressure on a 22-year-old. It's like, they're saying I suck, essentially. And now I got to play. Yeah. And there's so much. Everybody in the New York area is watching me. And then on the right. first drive, you have a, a strip sack fumble with an yeah. incredible move, yeah. by the way. An incredible move. I just think uh, that's rising to the occasion. If yes. there uh, there ever was a situation where rising to the occasion was one could be like dialed down to one certain yeah. play, that was that one.
1: And it's not even the first time. Like that Washington game last year was yeah, basically man. for their chance to win. If they lose that game, they're probably not making the playoffs at that point. And he rises to the occasion there with a sack, fumble. The Baltimore game early in the year, they weren't. We weren't sure if the Giants were real. They had won some games. They'd beaten some teams. They were eh. Now they face Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, and he wins them that or saves them that. I always say closes them that game. So it's like he's had these moments, and that's why when they talked about it on WFA and last week Nick and they're like, I don't know, I just don't like his body type, and I don't see it. What does he have? What traits? And I'm like okay, yeah, like you guys are so over-focused on can this guy bend the edge like it looks cool in highlights. You know those like Von Miller when he was in his prime highlights coming out of college, the way he bent the edge. Even some guys that haven't hit but have been good edge benders over the year. You know, even like Harold Landry has highlights, some of his highlights from Boston College when he came out. Like they're looking for these edge benders. But guess what? I'm not caring about that. What I want to see is improved hand usage, which we've seen this year. And I have other traits that I've seen from him. He's powerful at the point of contact. He's also really good, like we talked about last week, at closing out sacks, whatever you want to call that balance, closing burst, whatever it is. And guess what? All these hosts and all these people who are worried about him and calling him a bust. It's like I've seen this dude dominate at Oregon from like his freshman year. And the production was always there. Production wasn't amazing his first year with the Giants. It wasn't even amazing these first few games. But like he said. Wink Martindale Stevens is an orchestra. Not everybody is always playing the lead role in this thing. He was dropping coverage. He was setting up by taking on two man blockers to get the free safety. So it's like, you have to just look at these things beyond the way they looked at it. And so I'm so happy that, you know, Carl Banks brought that to light.
2: Dude, we see it all the time on the tape. How many times does Wink Martindale overload one side of the line of scrimmage? A lot of time it is to Kayvon's side to force that slide. And then the pressure comes from the other side. So yes, Kayvon has multiple blockers that he has to defeat. He is not the person that that play is scripted for the sack. That play is not designed for Kayvon Thibodeau to come away with the sack. Now, if he does, that's an awesome. But the play is not designed for that. The play is designed to manipulate the protection. So other people on the other side of the line of scrimmage going up against it, a tackle and maybe a running back, if it's a seven man protection, those players end up getting the sacks. Those players end up getting the two versus ones or the three verse twos. That happens right. a lot on tape. That's not every single defense, man. That's just this defensive structure. And Kayvon is still finding ways to, what does he have, eight and a half sacks? Still finding yeah. ways to sack the quarterback, man. He might have double digit sacks this year.
1: He might that's, get. He should oh, have double-digit awesome. sacks. He might have it this week, and he might in against Ed O'Connell in the, in, this in a system. system where no edge has ever had ten-plus sacks with Wink Martin. Thank you.
2: Thank and you exactly.
1: And they've had some decent players through there. I think Matthew moving for a little while, right? If I'm not mistaken, and a few other players that yeah. went through Wink's system. And so that's what we got to think about. And just to wrap this up real quick, and then we'll get in some prize picks with thirty thousand foot view on this whole thing. It does feel really good for me that even in this. "Quote unquote" lost season, which, by the way, I don't know is going to fully be lost. Even at two and six, and they should be fucking three and five. They should be four and four for God's sake, and then they Jeez, be right man. in this thing. It's so frustrating. It's really what I was talking to my my buddy. Shout out again, Phil Delemi. I don't know if he'll listen to this one, but maybe. But talking to him and that he's like, "That's the part, this is the part that kills us the most." It's like they're two plays away, two easily be winnable games away. Buffalo and and New York Jets from being four and four, right in the mix of it, with games like Patriots, Raiders on On the way, and it's just and Washington, other Washington, and it's Saints. just it's so frustrating. Saints, we'll see, but it's because in New Orleans, it's never easy. But it's just so frustrating, man. But having said that, like I was saying, from a thirty thousand foot view, even in a lost season like this, and I said that because I don't know if it's going to be lost. I think the Giants are going to start winning games uh, when when Thomas and Jones are back. But even in a lost season, it's good to see the development and the rise and the ascension of one of their most important assets, Kayvon Thibodeau. They used the yes. fifth overall pick on him just last year. This is has to hit like, especially if Neil doesn't end up hitting, which is still to be determined in my opinion. But at that point, you have to hit, and it's so good to see him with eight and a half sacks through eight games, a sack a game already in his second season. This is the type of development that can give you hope that, okay, the Giants have a bookend edge and a bookend interior defensive lineman, the best, arguably at this point, in my opinion, the best defensive lineman in football. It's an argument that you can make if you watch the tape. Might not be, but he's in the mix for sure, Dexter Lawrence. And that's what, you know, you start to think about that. And then how many more pieces do they actually need? Especially if Banks is as good as advertised. And as good as he's looked so far as rookie season, how many more pieces do you need to get your elite defense down? I see a lot of good defense in the NFL with a lot of role players and then two to three stars. And that's where it really looks like the Giants could be at, two to three young stars, if the ascension continues. So it's really exciting to think about uh, Kayvon Thibodeau from that standpoint. From the This is year year one and a half, year one really fully because he missed four games rookie season. And he's already ascending to that level of play.
2: Now we just got to find him a compliment on the other side. We're hoping that can be Aziz Ojolari. Yeah. But the injuries are starting to mount up from a career standpoint. That's one of the reasons why he fell to the second round, too.
1: Yeah, even, I, I, even I'm even i starting to wane, and I'm the most injury-agnostic human being in the world. But Nick, let's wrap this thing up by getting into some prize picks. I want to start by saying last week's prize picks, I apologize. I thought it was my best week ever until I look back and I realize, I got screwed because the Giants decided to kick that field goal with an injured Graham Gano who just went on IR this week. He's about to get knee surgery. And for some reason, he's out there kicking that field goal. They had got that play, Nick, and they won that play. The last Jets drive doesn't happen. And Zach Wilson goes under 199 and a half. He got to 240 on that drive. He was under. I was about to hit my first ever parlay, bro. I had Barkley under. Uh, under one touch touchdown total. Didn't get there. Didn't even come close. Giants, well, I guess he came close on the one drive to Vito scored. I had Barkley over nine, whatever it was. It was somewhere under 100 for the total yards. Barkley got like one, t- whatever he got. It was well over 100 yards. I was there, Nick, and then I missed it. So I'm really pissed. I'm back to the well here. I'm going to try to get my prize pick going now. A winner for everybody. What do you have right now? And remember, everybody go to uh, prizepicks.com backslash banter. That's prizepicks.com backslash banter. Type in banter as the code. You're going to get your first $100 deposit matched. But Nick, what do you got so far for this week?
2: So unfortunately, there are no Saquon Barkley lines right now. now. So I would say wait a little bit. Wait for those to come out. And then whatever the more is on Saquon Barkley, maybe – Think about putting some some uh some cash down on that. But for the ones that are live at the moment, I am gonna go with Jacoby Myers, more than 52 and a half receiving yards. I think Jacoby Myers is one of the better wide receivers that isn't discussed as much. If we know anything about Wink Martindale and how he has played some of the star receivers, Tyreek Hill, mm. Stefan Diggs. He rolls a lot of coverage over that way. He will double team them in certain situations, specifically man coverage situations. So I think that's going to create a lot of one-on-one matchups for Jacoby Myers, probably against a Dory Jackson, but it could be Deontay Banks. Either way, he can make this in one catch. He can make this in two. He can make this in three. I know it's from Aiden O'Connell, but I am going to still go with more than 52 and a half for Jacoby Myers. Aiden O'Connell, more than 20 and a half pass completions. You could put less, and this is why I'm going to flex play it like a coward because we have no idea Dan what this offense is going to be like we, we don't know like there's so much unknown yeah. right now going into this game making this prize pick probably the most difficult one that we have had to go over but at least Darren Waller isn't on the slate right because I don't think we've gotten Darren Waller right the entire season and then I'm going to go with Daniel Jones more than 190 and a half it looks like Daniel Jones is going to play clear for contact all of that so I think he can throw for more than 190 yards against this Raiders Defense, I'm hoping that he can, could completely be wrong. Gonna flex it. I'm a coward. I would wait until a little bit later on in the week till some of the other New York Giants come out, and then I would uh, roll the dice with them a little bit, specifically Wandell Robinson or Saquon Barkley, and going more than with those two players. I think Wandale is one I, I like a little bit more than Saquon, depending I like on the that line.
1: Wendell call a lot by you, depending on the line, depending on what you have to go more than on. As far as Saquon goes, I like the more than touchdowns this week. I think he's going to score. That's my yes. more than I like, but of course, it's not on the board right now. You have to use what we're working with here, Nick. It's going to start with Josh Jacobs with less than 73 and a half rushing yards for Josh Jacobs. I really love what I've seen from the Giants. Run defense. Does it lose a little bit with Leonard Williams gone?
2: Yes, it
1: does. But I really like this run defense. What we've seen lately from O'Carake, from McFadden. I think Wink Martindale is going to use a very similar game plan to the one he used against Howell. And Zach Wilson against Aiden O'Connell, a rookie for a day three pick at quarterback. It's going to be ugly for him. So that aids into my next pick, Nick. under 211 and a half passing yards for Aiden O'Connell. I think the Giants, here's my thing, Nick. And we'll talk about, we've talked about this more in the preview uh, previously that you guys heard before this, but. I just think that the Giants are going to have a really good chance to win this game, Nick. And if they win this game, it means they're going to have a good game script. And if they have a good game script, to me, what that means is they're going to have the ball a lot. And there's just not a lot of opportunities for Aiden O'Connell to get over to 11 and a half. Then finally, I'm going to go with Daniel Jones. This one, I'm sorry to say to Giants fans, but Daniel Jones over 0.5 interceptions. Look, Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders, knows Daniel Jones, worked against Daniel Jones for a little while. Knows some of his tendencies, also runs a style of defense that, as we know as Giants fans from the years when he was here, is more likely to get interceptions, not as much man coverage. It's going to be a lot of different kinds, maybe some trap coverages, some things that Jones hasn't seen. And so I just have that uh, being my final pick. And of course, I'm no fla I'm, I'm not flex playing.
2: I'm a, I'm a big flex play guy and Marcus Peters being on the opposite side. That's a, um, that's something that definitely leads into what you said. Great sticky hands, man, his entire career. He's been one of the best at jumping routes.
1: Correct. Even at this advanced age. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into the big blue Banter podcast. Hope you enjoyed some 30,000 foot view talk and some
2: prize picks have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.